Hello, welcome to Pod Songs. I'm Jack Stafford, and I interview inspirational people in service to others as inspiration for a new song. My guest today is Richard Lawrence of the Ethereum Society. Hello, Richard. Hello, Jack, and all your listeners and viewers. Well, episode you were my guest on episode nine, which right. was quite a while back, and now yeah. you've come again. What episode are we on today? Ninety-four, I think. Wow! Gosh, yeah. well done. That's amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Still going, but and I've actually started a new podcast. Oh, what's that? Inspired, but it's called the Mystic Cast. All right. Sounds good. Because I'm inspired by you, because you have Radio Theorius live. Yes. You've also started the Spiritual Freedom Show. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. True. So, so you have two. Of, you have my two favorite podcasts. Wow! Thank you so much. And uh, you're one of our favorite podcasts. So, return the compliment, Jack. Yeah. Because for for the for pod songs, I'm focusing on people in service to others. So right. it's a very broad area. Mm. And tis, tis. That, that is the that is the motto of the Ethereum Society, no? Service is the jewel in the rock of attainment. That's our motto. Yeah. From there the nine go. freedoms, yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, which we're going to talk about today. Oh, good. good so good. that go, leads us so that leads us nicely into because I'm, with the Mystic Cast. I'm just going to indulge my interest in metaphysics and the Ethereum Society because mm -hmm. I only want—I want to talk about that so much. But I just many of my there's a lot to talk about there, would, as you know. <laughs> a, <laughs> the last time you were on the show, we talked for two hours. So today we're going to keep. We'll it see a bit how it shorter, goes. But I mean, so with I, the pod songs, is, pod songs is more general. So the Mystic right. Cast. If people want to check that out, that's going to be just metaphysics and spirituality and ufos and beautiful and which i'm sure hope you will appear on in the future love with pod songs to. today we're just talking about the ethereum society but in particular the book the nine freedoms so okay many people don't know many many my listeners don't know about it even though they can go back and listen to episode nine so perhaps you could give us an introduction to the book and to the ethereum society and 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 the, the freedoms which we're going to talk about today Sure thing. When I when I came in to the Ethereum Society, which is my goodness, almost fifty years ago, I when I first heard about it, it made perfect sense to me. You know, and I know there are some people who hear about it and think, "My God, that's far out." They don't know it's untrue, but it's just like some people think that really is too far out for me. But it's it isn't really. It's it's. But that wasn't my reaction. I thought, ah, right, because I'd been searching even then for several years. And I was very interested, still am very interested in, in, you know, the Eastern yogas and so forth. But this, it all fitted in. It all made sense. But at the very forefront of the Ethereum Society, as you have highlighted already, is service. That's what marks it out. You know, and even now, if I turn back to some of those old Eastern teachings, which I love, like the aphorisms of Patanjali, or Patanjali and the Bhagavad Gita and, and so forth. To me, and this is no um, insult to anyone who, who reveres those teachings because I revere them, but they pale for me now 
when I look, compare them, because the one element with the Ethereum Society, which really makes us completely different, I feel, from any of these traditions, is that we have a way of saving the world, and not through converting everybody to our belief system. Now, that's like the prerequisite of some religions. You've got to make everyone a Christian, everyone of this, everyone of that, whatever it is, and that's how you save the world. That is not our mo we are a pretty small organization we welcome new members if they believe in our teachings but whether people join us or not we will carry on doing the missions and the actions which benefit the world as a whole in a massive way now i haven't really answered your question what is the ethereum society it's an organization that started in 1955 we don't have an exact date for the i would personally date it to the first public meeting that was delivered by its founder dr george king where he entered trance deep trance somatic trance and received a communication in public for the first time from the master ethereus after whom we're named the master ethereus is an advanced intelligence from uh, venus uh, i believe he's even higher than venusian it, it, although he is from Venus, he is a, a very advanced cosmic being. And that's saying a lot because Venusians include, I believe, and we believe Jesus and Buddha, just to name two. We believe in life on other planets, but we believe in multidimensional life, life at many frequencies or vibrations. So you wouldn't necessarily discover life on Mars if you, or Venus if you could get there, or even Jupiter if you could get there, or Saturn if you could get there, because they could be operating at a higher frequency or level. And that makes, again, to me, makes perfect sense. There are people living on this Earth that we can't see at a higher level, and I'm sorry to say some at a lower level even than this one. And that's because they're vibrating at different frequencies. But the I could go on at length about the Ethereum Society. It's based on contacts by beings from other worlds delivered through Dr. King. It's also based on the outstanding missions and teachings delivered by Dr. King himself, personally, as a master, as we believe, an avatar in his own right. He never claimed that publicly when he was uh, on Earth, but I believe very certainly that's what he was. And so that's what we do. We follow those teachings of those practices, but mainly with an emphasis on service. So you studied all these ancient teachings, yoga, Tibetan teachings, Indian teachings, Buddhism, and they all mention enlightenment, cosmic consciousness. They mention ascension. They have a, a Lord, uh, the lords of the sun. They worship the sun. Where does the book the nine freedoms go further than any any of these ancient teachings actually in many ways it goes further in many ways now you you've mentioned i mean obviously i haven't studied them all i don't claim that at all but you've mentioned some of the things that different traditions believe some some don't use the term cosmic consciousness they might use the term nirvana or they might talk about a heavenly mystical state and some revered the intelligences or gods from the sun, such as in ancient Greek, Greece and Egypt. Others didn't. You know, so it does vary from tradition to tradition. Where the, I mean, the nine freedoms goes further in many, many, many regards. But uh, I think one of the ways it goes further, it talks about existence after nirvana if you want to use that term or cosmic consciousness or the highest state so no longer is evolution 
about escaping almost or, or certainly moving away from or detaching from material existence. It's now about raising, transmuting, elevating all matter, all mass, all thought, all energy to higher levels. And so even after you've attained the highest states on earth, you continue or we will continue to evolve to other planets, to eventually the highest planet in this solar system, which is Saturn, and then beyond that, even to the sun. And then even after that, evolution continues as the 12 blessings outlines. But I suppose the, you know, there's so many changes in it. I mean, one of the changes is the priorities in it are very different. I mean, the first freedom is bravery. And, you know, that's admittedly the first four freedoms, I think, are not necessarily in order. They're, they're all, they all work within each other. That's bravery, love, service, and enlightenment one feeds off another actually the more enlightened you are the braver you are and uh, you know the braver you are the greater the service you can give and so on they all they all in effect affect each other but at the very core of it all is service to all and it's not a, an escapist path it's not an exclusive path because some of the old traditional paths were very exclusive you know the sannyasin would go off leave his his life sometimes her life actually that tends to get forgotten but mainly it was male dominated sadly in those days and uh, they would go off and and leave behind the world to find their own enlightenment and they believed they could do that and they believed they could even get to the state where they could merge with divinity and it would all be long forgotten and that was the end of their responsibility no sorry big change there in the nine freedoms we are all connected all the way through evolution all the way back through galactic life through you know becoming planets or parts of them suns and so on it's it's a massive and not all that is contained in the nine freedoms but that concept is, I mean, outstandingly explained. One of the things I love about the Nine Freedoms is the ability of the, the, the deliverer of them, who's Mars Sector 6, to put vast topics into one sentence or two sentences. That's one of the reasons I started the Spiritual Freedom Show, actually, because we're finding, you know, we can take two sentences and so much knowledge and wisdom and enlightenment flows from it and also practical things we can actually do in our lives not in some you know it's not a philosophical debate in a academic environment it's a real living practice yeah because i think i can sum up we can all glibly sum up the world's major religions or or mormons or christianity or anything in one or two sentences no the, the man on the streets mm -hmm. and so if you were going to sum it up to somebody the ethereal society in the future when everyone knows about it do you think they will say that the ethereal society that we evolve into ufos we evolve once we achieve enlightenment we go on to live on other planets and drive ufos well you could certainly say that the ethereal society brings the cosmic dimension to world religion that would be a, a sort of simple sentence right. you could say, which hasn't been there. It, it needs to be there. I mean, the Vatican are looking into mm. life on other planets. All I mean, the Dalai Lama needs to look into that and comment on that. Uh, all the religions are going to have to deal with that because especially this year, 
You know, uh, it's no longer being denied by the American government and British government sort of falls a long way behind in line. Not very well, you know, and it's not nearly what they could reveal, but they've finally sort of at least admitted mm. UFOs exist now. They call, they've renamed them, I think, in an attempt to, to distract attention as UAPs, they've, they've unidentified aerial phenomena, just to sort of stop us thinking too much about it. But yeah, so then once you admit that and you've got the head of uh, NASA saying, you know, there's, there is life on other planets and and alien it could be intelligent life as well, not just some microbial life. And the, the numerous exoplanets which are being discovered, now, I would say numerous, but many, which show that you have life as we know it, or you have the conditions for life as we know it, never mind conditions for life as we don't know it. Because I said earlier, there's multidimensional life. They have to address this. And the Theosites addressed it. And Dr. King started addressing it publicly in 1955. And you can imagine the reaction he got. He was lampooned and, and ridiculed and objected to strenuously as a heretic and all the rest of it. But he stuck to his guns and he's left a fantastic legacy. Yeah. I, when you were talking earlier about that image of the 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 monk going into the cave to meditate, cutting himself off from society... I just kind of imagine what a shock would it would be for him when he realizes that he has to go and live on in another because it because you when with Buddhism you imagine you're merging back into the source after after mm. <laughs> once you've done all the levels you no know, I mm. that seems to be the when I was when I was into it that's true yeah and now yeah. you have to uh, you've got another whole thing to go through and you you might have to drive a spacecraft you might have to actually if you learn to fight in some way you might all mm. these different things and i think it's, it's great of, i mean i think it's, it's liberating dynamic. actually because look i'll give you my opinion and i must stress this is just my opinion i think that the great ones uh, who govern and advise and go i mean those, the ascended masters and those beyond and those behind the cosmic plan for our world looked upon this earth this is i say this is just me this is not part of this hasn't been stated by dr king or the ethereum society and looked at us and thought gosh they are these people are so selfish and you don't, you don't have to look far to see that that we're going to have to come with with some path that's going to at least accommodate their selfishness and so the path that, that has been really basically taught for thousands of years in different traditions is go after and pursue your own enlightenment, pursue your own salvation. And it's not been wrong. And, and I would also like to sort of qualify that by saying if somebody did that along the way as they developed, that would change because enlightenment would bring that change. But to get people started, it, it was they were doing it for themselves. It was for their spiritual selves. It was, if you like, a spiritual form of selfishness or self-centeredness, if you prefer. But it was still done for them. That's the one of you asked me the changes. That's one of the massive changes now. And in the nine freedoms and in the Ethereum Society, the emphasis is not upon your own personal evolution. You will find that. And that, uh, that's been proved to me. Because when I joined the Ethereum Society, I had, I had decided to pursue that self-development, self-centered path through mainly the aphorisms of Patanjali. And then I discovered the society, and I had to admit, straight away I could see it. Didn't particularly like it, actually. But I, I realized that service was far more important than just my own development. 
and I changed, and now I'm jolly so, glad so I you did. Were going, you were going to follow this path. I was. You were going to concentrate on doing ma- mantra, pranayama. You had, you know, long. You had vis- especially vis- meditation long hours a day of these kind of practices. I mean, okay. I was 18, and so, you so said, who knows what would have happened? That. Yeah, yeah. That's, sorry, I'm interrupting. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was 18. I was a student. You know, I can't. We can't know whether I would have stuck to that, but that was a decision I made. To, uh, and the main thing in it was meditation. Those other elements you mentioned are there. But it was mainly through reading one book, which is called Raja Yoga by Swami Vivekananda, which has commentary on the aphorisms of Patanjali in it. And I still recommend that book. It's a great, great book. But the next, it, the next day, I think it was the next day, I heard about the Ethereum Society. And from a great friend of mine called John Holder, who was a PhD student at the same university, gave a talk. And had an experience that I couldn't argue with. I, you know, I, I tried something that he taught, and it immediately had a massive effect on me. Physic, it was tangible. It wasn't a you know matter of faith. It was a real, definite thing. I could, I knew it was real. And then I looked into, and I, anyway, I could see that service. I did believe and realize and accept that service was a greater thing than one's own development. But coming back to my point, I, I do. I mean, I think it worked. I think that plan worked for centuries, thousands of years. And I, and as I say, along the way, those who really went for it. And I'm not going to. I'm not playing it down. It's a great. These were great people. This was a very difficult path. They made enormous sacrifices to cut away and go up the Himalayas and leave their families and leave their lives and just focus on it with great tremendous phenomenal discipline you know there's many things i'm talking about the real ones there's lots of sort of lesser ones and fakes and people who dabble i'm talking about the ones who went all the way and some of those i'm sure went all the way through to ascension and in the course of that would have been uh, far more aware of the need to serve but i think it came at a much later stage whereas now it comes right from the get-go service is there from the very beginning it's the big big priority that's that's the massive change i would say but that that so i mean now though the the realignment if you like of the path through particularly the nine freedoms but just generally through the cosmic teachings delivered through dr king brings us into line with those on other worlds who don't they will spend a long time in meditation or, or galactic samadhi or whatever level they can achieve, galactic consciousness and so forth. But that will be for the purpose of enhancing their abilities to serve more afterwards. So yeah, it's for their enlightenment, but their enlightenment is for a purpose. Whereas in the older paths here, it was just for enlightenment, for its own sake, for your own sake. And as I say, my opinion is that was factored in, I think, brilliantly, because it did mean that some people were getting very serious about spirituality, but it took that selfish, if that's the word, motivation, self-centered motivation to get people to do it. Now, people are being called upon just to serve. And I think there has been a change. I think people are more aware of global service. I'm sure you've discovered in your podcast in many arenas and it matters more and people care about the planet and they care about humanitarianism more than ever, probably. Not all people, but some people. So it's more in, I think it's having its reflection through the levels as well, even to the material level. 
So there's that practical spirituality applying that's yourself true. in service. Yeah. So from that, so from that day, you have given yourself to the society. You've have done daily practices. You've mm. continued doing, I suppose, a couple of Absolutely. hours a day. And yeah. after all this time, have you noticed any, any rises in Kundalini, for example, or any experiences or any development that you could? My main focus, I, I would just throw in there, has been karma yoga more than the practices. Yes, I do them every day, the practices, but my main focus has been working, and in my case, through the Ethereum Society. And there are many, many ways to serve. I serve through the Ethereum Society because I believe it's the greatest service that can be given. If I didn't believe that, I'd be doing something else. I think that's what you have people, I would advise people to do, see, you know, what not even necessarily what interests them, but what they can see and believe and recognize to be the greatest form of service. And then you can get interested. The interest can come later. But the first thing should be giving the greatest form of service you can. To answer your question, yes, absolutely. I've discovered, actually, that what I theoretically gave up that day when I chose the Ethereum Society rather than my own development through the you know meditation and so on has more than been come in a much i mean it's far more fulfilling i think actually service and even in tiny ways i think people can recognize that you know when you when you do i think the things we remember when we look back upon our i mean i'm a lot older than you but when we look back upon our life and we think what's what counted in my life they're nearly always things where we've made a difference for others not, oh, I had a great holiday there and I enjoyed it. Or that was a great meal I had on my own. But if I cooked a meal, I and mean, this is a small thing, and people loved it, that matters more to us. And so I think our service is far more rewarding, brings a deeper sense of satisfaction. It's very testing, and it does require you to sort of get engaged in the nitty-gritty and in unpleasant things sometimes and unhappy things sometimes in order to really help you know you're not going to sort of be helping the world if you don't look and see what's wrong with it and what where where help is needed and that's not very pleasant you know some of those old aspirants wouldn't look at stuff like that they just didn't want to see suffering at all they wanted to keep their minds high all the time that's out the window now but to answer your question yes i've had numerous experiences psychic experiences channeling experiences uh, of all kinds but kundalini yes and i one thing i've discovered is that there's nothing missing in the ethereum society I, you know having been doing this now for haven't quite been a member for 50 years but i've been doing this for 50 years and every day as you say i i'm aware that the you know you the, of the psychic centers to a degree i'm not i'm not enlightened fully at all I'm not, I haven't entered full samadhi, no, but I have entered, you, you know, various states of consciousness. I've become aware of the chakras. I've become aware of the kundalini. I've become aware of the nadis, mainly through this path of service. And let me illustrate one thing. For example, if you pray and you really pray with all your heart, you're doing it for others, or that's the best reason to do it. You might be praying for the people in Afghanistan or people you don't know at all china there could be anywhere but you're praying you are activating your psychic centers so you are starting to open them as a matter of fact if you in the nine freedoms it says if you radiate truly in in its you know as it should be fully radiated you would activate the heart center the throat center 
and the Christ center or third eye, all three of those high centers would be, that's where the love would radiate from. And if you're doing that because you want to radiate love to the world, you're also activating those very high centers. What all you then would need to do, and, and, and people should do this. I don't want to give the wrong impression here. People should spend time going into the silence when they can, and they should develop themselves when they can because it will help in their work as well as themselves. And there's nothing wrong, by the way, in seeking your own enlightenment. In case I've given that impression, I certainly didn't mean to. It's a good thing to seek your own enlightenment. It's where it becomes the only and exclusive interest that you have, your own enlightenment. That's where it goes wrong. In the context of world service, seeking your own enlightenment is essential, as a matter of fact. And so as you do that prayer, and as you activate those centers more fully, and I would say in most cases it would especially be the heart center, as soon as you're getting the energies above the, 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 the solar plexus center, you're starting to enter certain levels of enlightenment just by doing that. And then if you focus inward, your um, contemplations or your meditations will be that much higher, and the kundalini will be activating those centers, not fully, but partially, or otherwise they couldn't function. So that's a real thing. Oh, I didn't realize that from the Nine Freedoms. Well, I, that's my extrapolation from it. I mean, that's not stated in those words. It's one thing that uh, Mars Sector 6 said in the Nine Freedoms, actually, in the Ninth Freedom, actually, said that if you really study these, this is my words, it's not the exact quote, many thoughts will come into your mind. So the, what I've just been saying is based on my own experience and thoughts that have come into my mind. They were given for the, I think the phrase is the few thinkers. I don't, you know, I hope it's going to be one day the many thinkers, but this was 60 years ago. And it does cause tremendous thoughts and realizations to come to you, which aren't necessarily written in the text or even in the commentary, but you start to realize these things and you start to, you start to gain an inner control through your path of service. And, and I, I repeat, I believe the practices within the Ethereum society, there is nothing missing at all to raise the Kundalini. That's, that's my conclusion after all these years. It's, I mean, and I used to think, look, you know, maybe one needs this, one needs that. And you know, I'm certainly not saying people shouldn't look at other things or even try other things if they wish to. But I think if you do the 12 blessings, and you do the practices contained in Realize Your Inner Potential, which I was honored to co-author there alone. There are others. But if you just did those two, you'd have everything you need in a life of service to raise the Kundalini. And I haven't done this yet, but enter Samadhi. Isn't that fascinating? Because, I mean, I do the Pranayama and the Mantra. Right. Uh, for many reasons, many benefits. One of which is to is to clean the Nadis. Yes. Um, but what you're, what you're saying with prayer is that you actually, you are using your chakras. You're exercising them as you would a muscle with yes. prayer. So you should concentrate on the heart chakra. Because I often concentrate on the palm of my hands when I'm doing the 12 blessings. But yes. should I concentrate more on the heart center? You do need to concentrate on the palms of the hands. I mean, just to, for, for anyone who's new, I mean, the way we practice prayer is taught by Dr. King. And I would stress taught by Dr. King. You know, because people say, well, the 12 blessings practice was given by the Master Jesus. I would say the 12 blessings practice 
was given by the Master Jesus and Dr. George King, because it was he who told us how to use it. And it could have been left as a series of blessings. And for those interested, go to 12blessings.org, you know, as a teaching, rather like the Sermon on the Mount, only even greater, where they don't practice the Sermon on the Mount, they read it. We practice the 12 blessings. So it's raising the hand. You would remove rings and watches to do this, preferably. And you, you're visualizing the white light coming down the arms, out through the palms, as you said, but also out through the heart center. So I, I don't think you're wrong to focus mainly on the palms, but or certainly equally on the palms. But I wouldn't forget, is there a reason that it goes through the heart center? And if you think about it, if you are concentrating on the heart center, you're drawing the energies, yes, down and through you, but you're also tending to draw your energies within you upwards. You know, what, what you focus on will tend to raise the lower basic energies. And, you know, I, I, I think there's a statement in the third blessing, which is to they who love. And again, these are my words, it's not an exact quote, but something like they who love have the very dif difficult task of transmuting the basic energies or some phrase like that. And it's a difficult task. Mm. Transmuting is the key word. I think it's one of the biggest words, transmuting, in metaphysics now. The whole concept is about transmutation, whether it's fighting evil whether it's about the evolution of beings on other worlds, they are transmuting energies, moving up through levels at certain times. The whole journey is a journey of transmutation, and that's a massive split from the old teachings. But as I say, if one's focused on this on the heart center and it's perfectly safe, you know, one shouldn't necessarily visualize all the centers. It's not necessarily safe. Some practices aren't safe, but all the practices taught by Dr. King are safe. So this, this focus on the heart center is safe in channeling energy through it. But at the same time, you're drawing the forces within you upwards to that center and even to some degree the kundalini. There's a very interesting statement in the Nine Freedoms that a partial activated activation, I think it says, of one face or one petal, I'm not sure which, of the heart center because there are two faces with the heart center three with the Christ center, brings about that thing, I think it says you call sentimentality or sentiment or basic sentimentality. As we start to activate it more fully, not partially, but more fully, and both faces, then of course we are expressing greater love. But we're also advancing ourselves because, I repeat, a partial activation by the Kundalini brings that about. Kundalini activates everything. It might not be, it might be a very small aspect of it, but it's, it's activating everything. The more we can bring about that activation of the higher centers by the Kundalini through service, through love, through prayer, through healing, through mantra, we might be doing it for the world. It's sometimes more powerful when we are doing it for the world than when we're doing it for ourselves. Then those those uh, there will be a natural, easier, more ready flow of Kundalini to the higher centers, which brings greater enlightenment. They are absolutely interknitted, Jack. Together, in light, your enlightenment is interknitted. Mm. That's what I've learned. When I first saw it, I thought this is a sacrifice in a way. It's a step away from my own, but I don't see it that way at all now. After I, I see them absolutely integrated. 
your own development, your own safe development, because there are methods which aren't safe, but your own safe development, absolutely interknitted with the most important thing, serving the world. Yeah, because you're one of the few people that I know about studying the the, the nine freedoms and, and the teachings and every day you're thinking about it and you've been doing this for so many years and with your with your show the spiritual freedom show you you go through it line by line and so it's, it's an honor. incredible how these things yeah but it's how, how these 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 seeds bloom in your mind so you can show us all the flowers and I think, you know, if you do this, and I'm sure you find this, you get helped as well, you know, because I sometimes, yeah. I'm sitting there preparing the show and I'm thinking, my gosh, where did, this? you know, I'm not claiming to have channeled it, by the way, I'm not. But I think, where did this come from? You know, this is just, when, when you, because when you tune into a teaching by any master, you start to draw some of the inspiration of that master to you. And when you try even more so to practice the teaching of a master, and you're aware that you're doing that, you're creating a link with that master, and you'll draw some of the inspiration, the energy of that master to you, whether be it be even an intelligence such as Mars Sector 6. And I'd like to add something else. That study of and the discussion of truth, like we're having one now, you might say, this isn't a selfish occupation because what you're doing there, okay, yes, you're educating yourself. When I do a spiritual freedom show, I try to share knowledge and information and tips and useful things, but I'm educating myself as well. But also there's something else going on, which is we're planting seeds into the mind belt of Earth. And these are new seeds. Okay, 60 years ago, but they're relative new seeds. I mean, if you think about it, if you came across and you, were, you had no background at all, you just somehow came to earth and you were told the belief system of the Christian church, that, you know, did, and I'm, this is not an attack on it because I have great respect for it, but you have a man who was born, who was the one and only son of God. That's an odd thing. That's a very, very odd claim. Just looking at it cold i mean this one man why only one why then and and then you're told that you know all the other the dogmas that that flow from that and this is the one and only way and this etc it would seem very odd i think if you had but because that particular teaching has been embedded in the mind belt for over 2000 years spoken about written about studied and very strangely a whole tradition grew out for over a thousand years and still exists now of monasticism, hermeticism even, which really has nothing to do with, I would say, the Sermon on the Mount or what Christ, you know, Jesus did or, you know, but it still grew out because it's still, that again, I think, is, you know, the old way manifesting through this religion. But because of that, I think when we hear that, we might not believe it, but it doesn't sound so odd. Uh, it's in that we probably all, most of us have been Christians at least once in former lives. And so we it's quite familiar to us and it resonates and it doesn't seem, but some of the ideas of the Ethereum study, because we're new, we're relatively new, we're planting new seeds. And, you know, some of them seem very strange to some people because they're new. I, I, I'm actually a believer that, most of the people who hear about the Ethereum Society and don't 
take it up. It's not because they don't necessarily believe it. They might say they don't, but I don't think they really don't believe it. They don't know enough about it to not believe it. They certainly don't know it's untrue. I mm. just think it's because they don't either like they they don't want to be doing that. They don't, you know, it's it sounds strange to them. It's just not in the fabric of their the life that they want. And that takes something to change your life. And there are great examples through history of people who've done this, because like it or not, wanted. I mean, I'm lucky. I wanted the path, and I love the path. So you know, I'm doing what I want to do, and it's great. But you know, sometimes it isn't what you want. But that doesn't make any difference. And there's some fantastic examples through. I mean, just to name one, Schweitzer. You know, just throw him. I mean, he he wasn't he 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 wasn't sort of oh, I must go and work with lepers. That is my goal. Bring me a leper worker. That you know, you know, and I'm not making fun of it. I mean, he he was a great theologian. He was a great organist, actually, a great musician. He took up medicine purely to go and help because he could see or he believed that's how he could help. And he saw the leper need, and he went out and he and he did that because he really but he said that he that's how he found his fulfillment you don't necessarily find fulfillment mm. by doing what you want if you're lucky enough to find that what you want to do is what you should do you're a karmically fortunate person mm. and that well, will happen a while for christianity to catch on yeah but exactly but what i'd say is that will happen though even if it isn't initially exactly what you want to do it will become and i could there are many people i know who you know they, it was a big adjustment for them to, to to dedicate to something like this it didn't necessarily chime in well with their families i mean we're not a cult but that's put about by some it's an easy way to get at any new movement and you know there are tests involved but those you know they found now it's exactly what they want to be doing broadly not every day we all get tested there are days we think oh i'd like to go off on holiday i'd like to what have you but and we do go on holiday sometimes, by the way. But you know, it's it's broadly, I think, becomes if you're doing the right thing, whatever that right thing is, there's a part of you that wants it. Your higher self wants it. Your higher self knows that you might not have recognized that yet, but you'll eventually catch up with it and then you'll be fulfilled. I also think about the Theosophical Society and Madame Blavatsky. Right. And they they were probably one of the is that predecessors a right word or they did help to raise consciousness yeah i mean they they were pioneering the ascension you might say the ascension stage not the cosmic stage although i believe most blavatsky and bailey alice bailey i think i'm right in saying did were open to life on other planets but and did even believe in it i think but yeah they they were i mean madame blavatsky was a fan fantastic pioneer what a great woman she was and she's still being derided today by some people which which again shows her greatness i think i, th I think also if you're a pioneer you, you you know and you're doing something that upsets the, the the you know the balance of this world you're going to be attacked it does happen and she certainly was and she she took it on the chin and she held her corner I and mean, there you had what a, a divorcee in victorian england that alone was controversial she was russian she was on her own. She was making those claims. And she, I would say, laid the groundwork. She wasn't really quite, she didn't go anywhere to the level of the nine freedoms. I think she would be the first to say that. That'd be my opinion. Right now, she'd be the first to say that. But she did certainly lay the idea of, you know, you going beyond 
as it were, nirvana and, and, and ascending and serving as, as a Mahatma or an ascended master. Yes, she did. And, and giving some of those ancient teachings of previous civilizations. I was... Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, because in this every Sunday we have the service, which I watch online from London, mm. and there's an extract from Dr. King, and he was talking about Madame Blavatsky and, her, and the teachings, and maybe one thing she missed, or one thing that could have made it a lot better, was was that something that that we get from the Nine Freedoms, is how how it came about later on when we develop a Saturnian existence or when we become eventually our consciousness merges together with others to form planets or greater beings we we vibrate in together and we we go through an initiation and what i didn't know was what i learned yesterday was that that planets the logos of the planets they could go through a door to a higher level but they don't walk through that door they Absolutely. stay in service mm. for millennia and that's something that that at every level we have that choice you now where we could be in a we could could go on to another planet or we could stay in the spiritual hierarchy of earth and live in a mountain and go around helping up helping everyone thanklessly and i was also thinking that reminded me when you it was kind of a coincidence that you got these teachings when you were young from patanjali and then the day after you heard about the ethereal society so there could have been something like you could have repeated something you've done in a previous life, but instead you, you got, you could have done service there, but you can be of greater service as you are now as director of the Ethereum Society. Yeah, and funnily enough, you know, I, I, first of all, starting with, with theosophy, he, Dr. King did say that that concept of giving up an, an initiation or giving up a high state of consciousness for others is missing in that. And it's very, very prevalent in the 12 blessings in particular, I would say, and in our teachings. But I, I must say, you know, I, I looked at that very book and I still recommend it. It's a wonderful book, Raja Yoga by Vivekananda. And, and I looked at the Africans of Patanjali quite recently again, because I turn back to these things every so often. And each time I do, and I, this may sound wrong, but I'm going to say they seem a little flatter, not untrue, uh, and, and very, very great, but there's something missing. Uh, and I can see what it is. And, and particularly if I read a writing about karma yoga, and there are people who've written about karma yoga, and then compare them not just to the cosmic teachings, but Dr. King's own personal teachings and the path that he set on karma yoga, they seem a little flat. And I, I don't really, it's invidious to name names, because I won't. But I mean, there's great yogis who I highly revere seem a little flat in that one regard because they don't have this concept and they don't empower you, unenlightened as you may be, to really make a massive difference in saving our planet. Most of them will say, look, you know, when you're enlightened, uh, then you will uh, make a big difference because you'll 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 change the karma of the whole. If you change one element, it, it reflects on the whole. But we that's a kind of indirect service, and it definitely is true. But in our case, we can do things now in cooperation with beings from other worlds. Satellite number three, 
which comes into orbit of Earth at certain times to radiate energy, the various missions we do, working directly in cooperation with beings from other planets through Operation Prayer Power and, and several other missions. These are gigantic things that we can do. And so next to those, I must say, those old teachings that I've always had a love for, I think I always will, they do seem increasingly flat. I think that's the word I would use. They don't quite hit the spot anymore because they're not doing that. They're not even claiming to do that. They're claiming to offer you your own salvation personally, yes, but not to save the world, to save, have an impact on humanity, to save uh, people from dire situations, to, you know, and, and above all else, I think, to somehow tune in and help in some degree, no matter how small, the planet herself as a living being. You mentioned the Logos of Earth, the Mother Earth. There can't be anything greater that I can think of than in some way, no matter how small, helping her in this scenario that she's terrible scenario she's in and has accepted. I actually wanted to mention one thing about, because you mentioned Madame Blavatsky there. Yeah, and because personally... I, yeah, I was I was having dinner with the master one evening, just the two of us in Los Angeles. Oh, I say the master, by that I mean Dr. King, he was my master. And I told him that a book had just come out. This must have been in the 90s. And this book had come out, I think it was a centenary book, and it was a terrible diatribe attack on Madame Blavatsky. And, you know, even this late on, and and I so I mentioned it to him, you know, in, in passing because it came up in conversation. And I remember and he stood up at the table, walked around the dining room and said, and he was a, he was indignant. And he said, well, she's in the great white brotherhood, by which I took it to me not necessarily ascended, by the way, because the great white brotherhood also includes unascended members. But um, certainly she's a. The highly really? evolved, yeah, highly, highly, yes, the Great White Brotherhood is described in two ways. One, it's a body of ascended masters, the spiritual hierarchy of Earth, but also there are there are those on the highest realms, mainly the highest realms, that could be for certain reasons, somebody in a lower realm than that, who are within that order to a degree, you know, because they're working for it or with it or under the direction of the ascended masters, yes. They might be working under the direction, for example, of Count Saint Germain. Before I got into the society, I did a lot of uh, Vipassana meditation, which is when you you go into these ten day retreats and you mm -hmm. you sit down and you go within. But I wouldn't do that now because imagine in ten days I could have I could do a lot of service to others Good on the point. physical plane. Good point. Good point. And you know, I, uh, one thing I've discovered in running workshops. Whenever I've run workshops, particularly on Realize Your Inner Potential, because I was honored to co-author that. It's Dr. King's book. is isn't my book, but I was honored to co-author it, as you know. And when I've run workshops on it, we have various elements in it. One part of it is self-development. And there's, as I want to repeat, nothing wrong in that in its rightful context. Yes, it's great. Do breathing exercises. Do kundalini visualizations if you're, if you're ready to do those. They're contained in the book. Fine. But I have also found that when we do the elements of it, which are more service orientated, the students in the workshop are more likely to have experiences. 
It's an interesting finding. So when they're, say, for example, healing someone or you know, sending, heal, sending prayer, receiving healing maybe as from others in the group through mantra or whatever exercises we're doing, those are the elements which are, they are, I mean, the people having experiences all, all right through the workshop, but that bring some of the greatest experiences. So I'm just sort of going with what you just said there. If, you, if you're not doing the, I think you said Vibhishana, Vipishana, is it? And meditations, but instead you're serving. You'll have, uh, thank you. You'll have the experiences doing the prayers, doing the things for others. You'll still have them. You'll still be raising the Kundalini. You'll still be uh, cleaning, as you rightly said, the Nadis, purifying the channels. It'll be done by your love energy. There's a, there's a line in a wonderful prayer called the New Lord's Prayer, delivered by the Master Jesus. And it, it, and it, I've never, I, I, I'm often returned to it. Never again, it's, it's a prayer, so that never again may we turn from our inner vision of you. And it's a prayer to God. It, it's in the course of quite a long prayer, there is that line, you may remember it. Now, Dr. King commenting on that said, well, of course, that would be impossible if you really did it, because if you never turn from your inner vision of Brahma or God, you would be in such a deep state of meditation, you'd be immobile. You couldn't function, which is typical of Dr. King. He was so exact, and he analyzed it. However, the spirit of that statement, never again will I turn from my inner vision of you, must be true. You know, you can be serving, you can be functional, you can be radiating love while doing a menial task. You, 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 that, and as you do, you'll be to some degree, not fully, or you'd be immobile, but certainly partially activating your higher chakras, you know, and that I think is the meaning of the expression of that brilliant sentence. Never again will I turn from my inner vision of you. It's got to be manifest uh, in, in our lives, not, not just in a meditative state. Well, thank you for that. I get new insights every time I speak to you. So maybe for, we could end the show with because i've actually already written the song because i that we've had this interview lined up quite a while normally i write the songs after the show but because i knew i was going to speak to you yes and that's my fault and i apologize for no problem at all no. but i've already written the song about bravery which is the first freedom so maybe you could lead us into that by explaining what the first freedom is and why of these nine freedoms which ends up with you living on the sun and includes living on saturn why is why is bravery the first freedom it's a vast topic jack as to why bravery is the first freedom i think i there's a couple of things i would say first of all it was stated by saint guling just prior to that first freedom that the foot the freedoms aren't necessarily given in order of importance so although it is the first freedom i think first second third in my opinion, the, it would be the first four in particular that would apply to. Because one of the things stated in the first reading is, you know, you get rid of fear through becoming enlightened. So they, they do all link across to each other. But why? It's a very interesting choice, isn't it? Because you, you when Mars Sector 6 gives a teaching, he's giving a law. That's the first thing I would say. Because he's a lord of karma, Mars Sector 6, and that's the only uh, communicator through Dr. King well, I want to be clear, but certainly it's a particular communicator that we've been told is a Lord of Karma. I don't think there are others. There may be, but it's extremely rare. 
And so therefore, when he gives an utterance, if that wasn't true before he gave it, it is after he gave it. In that way, it's a little bit like the, the, the principle of the Lord who spoke to Moses and gave the laws as understood in, you know, in, in that tradition. And so if bravery wasn't the first freedom before 1961, it was afterwards. And you can see why, because really you're not going to accomplish anything, are you? You're not going to even take on board other beliefs if you're not, if you're not brave. And, and I do think that's a lot of people, they, they see uh, a bit of a, a claim, a teaching, and they know it's going to disturb their life. They know it's not going to sit well, maybe, with people they know, possibly, with what they really want to do in their life. And you have to be brave to grasp that nettle. And then you have to be brave all the way along because you're going to be tested. If you're doing something important, you're going to come up against opposition. It could be just in the conditioning of humanity. It could be in your personal life. It could be if you're doing really big work from dark forces even. And you have to be careful with that because you don't want to run away with your imagination. But those things can happen. And again, you need to be brave all the way through. You need to be brave when the time comes to raise the kundalini. You, you have to be brave to sacrifice your petty personal life and some of the ways that you've become used to and attached to. Yeah, bravery is your companion and needs to be on this path. So one could talk at length about it. But yeah, it's, I think it's a very significant choice for the first freedom. Well, thanks, Richard. Thank you, okay, well, It's been a great pleasure as always to speak to you. And I look forward to to keep listening to you as I always do on, on the Spiritual Freedom Show and Ethereus Radio Live, which you can get on any podcast app. Is there anywhere else? Uh, richardlawrence.co.uk is, is your own private that's website. Right. And uh, that's, a, that's a fantastic resource for people can see other interviews you've done. You're, you're always on on many major news outlets discussing UFOs upon which you are a world leader in knowledge. In fact, the Ethereum Society is the world's oldest international UFO organization. Yeah. Am I right there? You are right there, yeah. Yeah, we tried to find uh, other ones. We found only one, I think, in uh, Cle Clevedon or somewhere. But they were just a local flying, nothing wrong with that, but local flying saucer society. But I don't think there's an older international UFO-based organization in the world, no. Okay, great. Well, people can go to ethereus.org. I'll put all the links in the show notes. Thank you. Richard, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure, Jack. And, uh, you know, I, I hope life's good on the Amalfi Coast. I love it there. You're having a good time down there. And it's great to talk to you. And thank you for all you're doing, Jack. It's my pleasure. Service. <laughs> Absolutely. The jewel in the rock of attainment. Exactly. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.
state of mind Walk towards what you're afraid of Show the world what you are made of Break the way, clearly see Negativity We have imprisoned Our psychic abilities But with knowledge and enlightenment Burn fear in the light of your new dawn Walk towards what you're afraid of inspired as I am. Go forth bravely and be of service. Thank you to the musicians who made that song, who were in service. Maurizio Sanicola, Massimino Vozza and Luigi Falcione and my researcher Dori Verbo. Please don't forget to check out my new podcast, The Mystic Cast, on any podcast app. And if you want to hear the song, just listen on Deezer, iTunes, Spotify, anywhere songs live. Or go to podsongs.com and download it for a dollar to help support the show. Please share this episode with friends, family, and help us grow. Until next time, take care. <laughs>